Welcome to Waging War, the podcast where we discuss the battle between truth and lies. We believe that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Hello, welcome to Waging War. This is, well, I don't know what episode it would be because I don't know when we're going to air it. However, I'm sitting here with TK Heinemann, who's our clinical director, and we're going to have a conversation today about a topic that can be controversial. Um, I don't think it's spoken to enough, especially from a Christian perspective. I think it's very important to really tease through tease through some of these things. Um, and so TK has a really has has worked with a lot of people, and he does a really good job. I think you do a really good job of speaking to this because you understand clinical language, you understand that world, but you're also filled with the Holy Spirit and you know God's word and that is your loyalty. So I think um, you bring a special perspective here. And we've had a lot of these conversations. We have a lot. So, and what we're going to be talking about specifically are personality disorders. Um, And I think we're going to touch primarily on maybe borderline personality, narcissistic personality disorders, Um, and just talk through that. Yeah. So will you define clinically what a personality disorder is? It's a good question. Um, So all personality disorders um, are are really characterized by just a a pervasive um, pattern of of thought, beliefs, and behaviors that, and this is important, are outside of cultural norms or cultural expectations. So every personality disorder fits within that purview. Now, you have specific personality disorders, like you mentioned, um, narcissistic personality disorder. It's characterized by um, an unbelievable amount of arrogance and grandiosity, mm-hmm. um, visions of grandeur and success. Uh, they often feel that they can only relate or talk to people of high esteem and high academic credentials. Um, they can be manipulative, exploiting others for their own personal gain. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard it said before that in the mind of a narcissist, no one else exists except for an extension of themselves. Mm. Um, And that's a a pretty powerful quote. I don't know who said it. Somebody a lot smarter than me. That's really lonely, too. It's very lonely. I think that's very lonely. And and biblically, um, so I think the question is, what is the sin in narcissism? Mm -hmm. And it's Proverbs, um, I believe it's 24, don't quote me on this, Mm -hmm. 24.1 references it as insolent pride. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's an obsessive, overwhelming amount of self-focus and pride. Mm-hmm. And there's some overlap there between narcissistic personality disorder and borderline personality disorder. So borderline personality disorder is characterized um, by an incredibly unstable sense of self-image. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have a similarity there with narcissism, except that the unstable self-image in borderline personality disorder um, is triggered by extreme emotional dysregulation and Fear of abandonment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, the primary differentiating factor between the two. So the borderline personality disorder is kind of always in this state of um, being terrified that the people they love or the people that love them are going to leave. And so, and in my experience, even at the clinic, what I've noticed is people that have borderline personality disorder, it, it seems to almost operate on a spectrum from high functioning to low functioning. Um, and as people with borderline personality disorder get involved in more intimate relationships, the symptomology ticks up. Mm-hmm. They, they get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so unstable self-image, there's often a history of self-harm as well mm-hmm. with borderline personality disorder. 
So let's say somebody uh, struggles with self-harm and they're thinking, oh my goodness, do I have borderline personality disorder? So whenever yeah. you diagnose someone, I know I've heard you say it's a cluster of symptoms. It's mm -hmm. not just this one-off, like if you struggle with arrogance and pride, you're a narcissist. Right. It's yeah. a cluster it's way of, more complicated. it's more pervasive and more complicated. So yeah. could you kind of talk about what some of the, what it looks like, sure. some of the symptoms, um, so I, I mentioned emotional instability with, with borderline personality disorder, um, extreme difficulty in interpersonal relationships. So they're really hard to get along with. Mm -hmm. um, relationships are often fleeting. Uh, people often push them away. And um, someone with borderline personality disorder um, truly believes that everyone will abandon them. And so there's a lot of reaching behaviors and dramatic behaviors, the self-harm, the, the suicidal ideation fantasy, um, Oftentimes, it's just an attempt to pull people back in. If someone's struggling with self-harm, it does not mean they have borderline personality disorder. Um, I, I think borderline personality disorder exists in less than 1% of the population. So it's, it's not as common as you would think, um, but it is far more common in outpatient mental health clinics. Um, impulsivity is another feature of borderline. And so with that, we have you know reckless sexual behavior, uh, substance use, um, gambling, whatever it may be. I mean, when I look back at my at my life, there's a period in my life where I'm thinking I could fit the sure. middle, no problem. <laughs> I could, you know, and, and I think I've talked to you about this before um, and other, other people may not struggle with this, but you know, if I see, oh, I struggle with that, oh, I struggle, you know, I'll, I'll try to fit myself into these into these boxes, but this is something that's very, very specific. It's a cluster of symptoms. It it's very pervasive. Um, so, why is it called personality disorder? When I think of personality, I mean, personality, I would think is something given by God and God doesn't make broken things. So do you think that's the best way to put it? Um, or, I mean, I, it's I don't know. It's a great question. I mean, your personality is unique to you. It's, right. it's kind of your character makeup, mm -hmm. right? And I, and I agree with what you said. God doesn't make us broken. Mm -hmm. um, it, well, broken enough to need him, but right. not so broken that we behave in relationships in a manner that would cause us to be isolated from the world. Our design is not broken. Right. God created us to be yeah. in relationships with people and in, in mm -hmm. perfect harmony and in fellowship with others. You, you take a personality disorder more often than not. I don't want to, I want to be careful not to say incapable, um, but when they aren't healthy, they are incapable of being in a community. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so I, 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 that's a really good question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Yeah, and I, I realized, like, I, I noticed as I'm asking this question, I don't think we've really talked through this before, uh, but it's something that I've pondered is, you know, personality, I think, is a, a trait as I have red hair and green eyes. You know, it's, right. it's almost like something that's God-given. Sure. Um, but I can understand how it's labeled as personality disorder because it's so ingrained into the person. Um, it's such a stronghold, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and I, you and I have had this conversation also about labels and, you know, I, I have struggled with the thought of labeling someone with, oh, this is a borderline or this is a narcissist or this is, a, you know, because does that, you know, is that their identity? So nature, nurture, and choice um, it is, is a part of the equation in all diagnoses. Uh, the scientific community gets really stuck in the, the nature piece, sometimes the nurture, but they often remove choice from the equation altogether. And so 
um, in our culture today with people who, you know, kids get a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder or bipolar type one and they just run with it. Like, mm -hmm. oh, well, choice has been removed from the equation. Mm -hmm. It's not my fault and I can't help it. That's not true. No. That's not true. Yeah. There are things that you can do. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not a it's not a get out of jail free card or a mm -hmm. handicap sticker. That's yeah. I I often get a little frustrated whenever you know you hear about these mass shootings. Yeah. And people go in and they commit these atrocities, and the first thing society will go to, well, second thing probably, first thing is gun control. Second thing that they will that they will run to is we need better mental health yep. help. Yep. Yep. You cannot blame that kind of atrocity no. on some kind of disorder. And I'm going to say something that's probably a little controversial, but as Christianity has slowly died in this country, mm -hmm. the shootings, the murders, the, the mass shootings have gone up. Mm -hmm. and, and there's something about that the moral fabric of this country was founded on biblical principles by, like, I mean, our mm -hmm. founding fathers were all believers. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not nothing that now... That's dying in our mm -hmm. government, and our country is dying. Mm -hmm. It's it's, so it's not a coincidence. Call it mental illness. Call it whatever yep. you want. But, and I'm not I'm not saying mental health isn't a thing or sure. mental illness isn't real. But I think that we run to those categories way too quickly, and remove personal responsibility and the reality of moral decay mm -hmm. is really the problem. And also when you have a society that has now come into agreement that you can create your own truth, yep. that you can say what is objective truth is and deny that, yep. you're creating, um, what's the word? Starts with a D. You're creating dissonance mm -hmm. in your own mind that is going to lead you down other paths. And, and that's not something you're born with. Like that's a choice in the moment. Yeah. By nature, by nature, we, we enjoy to be victim. We yeah, enjoy being absolutely. victims because it removes personal responsibility. It's easy. That's a feature of borderline um, is, this, is this victimization piece. Mm -hmm. They often feel like uh, things are happening to them and not because of them. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Everything is happening to them and they don't see their personal. And so when treating someone in that type of dilemma, it is a detriment to them to remove personal responsibility Absolutely. and choice because that is exactly what is causing the disruption in relationship, the disruption in thought is everything's happening to me. Mm -hmm. And I have this thing I can do nothing about and I'm helpless to everything in life. And that's the lie that's believed. Yeah. There's this helplessness almost. Yeah. And there's this you know what I'm about to say, but there's this period, if you get involved in a relationship with a borderline, there's this period of idealization where you're the greatest thing ever, um, the best thing that's ever happened to me, so on and so forth. But then there always comes this period of, of extreme devaluation where uh, now all of a sudden you are an abuser almost. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it sends you for a whirlwind. Mm -hmm. It's wild. So anyway, with, with, with narcissists, borderline personality disorder, and I, I would say for all personality disorders, if you're in a relationship with someone that has a personality disorder, rule number one, boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, firm boundaries, meet them with truth, mm -hmm. point out the consequences of, of their behavior mm -hmm. every time it happens. Yeah. Um, clearly state, this is what I will and will not tolerate. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that on the front end. You have to do it on the front end and you have to do it repeatedly. Yes. Yep. Over and over 
and over again. So if you don't have thick skin and good boundaries, don't marry a narcissist or a borderline because uh, it's it's not easy. It's not. I, I, I mean, I've had, looking back, I mean, now that I've learned more about this, I mean, looking back, I've been in relationships with people yeah. that I, I kept thinking I could fix or love them better or I would be very confused mm-hmm. by the the flipping What's like happening? I love you I hate splitting you. is what we call it in psychology splitting yeah you know one day I'm your best friend the very next day I'm a terrible person yeah. and boring and deserve to go to hell I mean it just it makes it there's makes, the idealization and, and devaluation it's I exhausting mean, it was very confusing and I think a lot of people might find themselves in relationships with people with this dilemma I say dilemma I don't say disorder. I can get behind that. I can. It is a dilemma. The borderline dilemma. The narcissistic dilemma. It's a dilemma. Yeah, I can get behind that. Um, And they they, they keep, and it it makes everyone crazy Mm -hmm. without boundaries and without really knowing what you're dealing with. Yeah, it does. And and the clinical community, by and large, when when they see borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, they run. Mm-hmm. Um, they push people away, and and if anyone needs to be met with love and compassion, it's them. Right. Um, but that's not how the clinical world typically treats them. So, what's the best way to treat someone with borderline personality disorder or narcissistic? Yeah. So, borderline personality disorder, uh, the 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 go to treatment is dialectical behavioral therapy. And what is that? Uh, so it, it's. Um, so black and white thinking is something that the borderline really struggles with. Things are either all good or all bad. And so DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, it's kind of this transition away from dichotomous or polarized thinking to being able to entertain two realities at the same time. And so some of the, the key features of it are teaching emotional regulation skills, distress tolerance skills. That's something the borderline, I mean, they, they kind of, they're really reactive up and down. So DBT really wants to hone in on their ability to handle stressful situations and emotions, as well as increasing interpersonal effectiveness. So there's a lot of um, specific interventions in DBT that target relational conversations and how to deal with conflict and stress between two people. Is there a fear of having more of a balanced perspective for people who struggle with borderline personality disorder? Like, is there a fear that a balanced perspective is too compromising? Um, A balanced perspective and in what regard? Like whenever I hear you say uh, DBT helps them hold both is true. I just, what I hear is more um, embracing a gray area. Sure. Um, so it's like if it's, you know, it sounds like it's a matter of um, needing control for it to be this or that. Sure. You know, because yeah. I have it fully figured out, fully figured out. This gray area is a little uncertain for me. And so I'm going to stay in one of these two areas. Right. Constantly. Yeah. You know, and that just to me, sounds like a fear-driven response. So a lot of times it's probably from a trauma response, mm-hmm. um, learned from childhood or whatever, or it could just be part of our fallen nature. It's probably a combination. I think we can always point back to <laughs> our fallen nature. Always. Um, but so the clinical approach would be dialectical behavioral therapy, which which we do at the clinic if, um, if it's needed. Um, but biblically, it, it really is as simple as replacing their truth with God's truth. Yes. Um, pulling them out of that negative feedback loop of walking around feeling worthless and like a failure all the time. Because if you walk around all the time feeling worthless and like a failure, you're going to show up in a way that causes you to fail and causes you to have very little worth. And after a while, you're also going to begin to believe that that's what God thinks about me too. 
Well, it's still self-obsession. Absolutely. And that's yeah. what I had asked you one time. Um, so what is the sin? Like we talk about disorder, and if we call things a disorder, it's almost like there's not a personal responsibility in it. It can have that feel to it or that air to it, not that all clinicians or all people who say that believe that there's no personal responsibility, but it, diagnosing uh, a cluster of symptoms as one thing can, um, as a disorder, can have that air of uh, removing personal responsibility or sin. Sure. And so I'd asked you one day, so what would be the sin mm -hmm. in borderline personality disorder? Like what would be the thing that is driving most of the behavior? Yeah, I, obsessive self-focus. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same with, with narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. The other piece too is, is the um, somebody that's struggling with borderline personality disorder almost always reacts in their natural tendencies as opposed to slowing down and, and doing kind of the opposite of what my flesh wants to do. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's gratifying flesh at all times. Mm -hmm. I have to do what's going to make me feel better in this moment. Doesn't matter if it hurts you, doesn't matter if it hurts everybody in the room, this is what's gonna make me feel better. Mm -hmm. So the sin would be obsessive self-focus. I, I, my needs are far more important than yours. Mm -hmm. right? there's, there's, no, there's no love in that, there's no service in that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you read 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It's not uh, selfish and irritated, mm -hmm. right? right. Um, so I think th there's a few sins in that, but the big one I see is, is pride. Yeah. Obsessive self-focus. Obsessive self-focus. Now, at Renew Clinic, um, you've worked with people who would probably fit the bill of narcissistic personality disorder, sure. right? Um, and so I think that that term, narcissist, is thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean... It's a buzzword. and It's a buzzword. People use it. Honestly, I, I think people use it almost in an abusive way. Yeah. Yeah, like they don't like someone. It's like, oh, they're a narcissist. It's like, no. Oh, they disagree with me. Yeah, They're a narcissist. No. Maybe you're a narcissist because you don't like them disagreeing. Yeah, with you. yeah, exactly. You're a narcissist. We're calling them a narcissist, <laughs> yeah. right? Because they don't they don't like yeah. you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's and so a lot of times too, I've heard that people who are like true, genuine narcissists, that it's something that cannot be undone. It cannot be healed. Yeah. Um, it is so heavily fortified. It is heavily fortified, mm -hmm. but it's too heavily fortified, I guess people would say, for God uh, to intervene. Yeah. And as believers, we can't believe that. No. Um, have you what have you witnessed God breaking through a narcissistic barrier? Yes, I have. Um, once. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, but it, it, it is. It's this Nebuchadnezzar unraveling that mm -hmm. happens and um, in the unraveling of the narcissist kingdom, they're, they're left with two choices. They can continue to fall in love with this false sense of self and inflate themselves and lose everything around them, and that's often what happens, or they can begin to embrace reality for what it is. Mm. Uh, they can begin to see themselves for who they really are. Um, I, I mentioned earlier the book of Proverbs references, it, it doesn't say anything about narcissism in the Bible, but it refers to it as insolent pride. Mm -hmm. um, again, obsessive self-focus. And I, I'm going to share a scripture yeah. that I think really describes the, the narcissistic tendency well. And it's uh, 2 Timothy 3, uh, 1 through 7. It says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self and lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, holy, 
heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, and not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. And so at the very end, arriving at a knowledge of the truth, what I witnessed with this individual is he finally arrived um, to some knowledge of truth, and it was that he wasn't God, mm-hmm. um, and that he had he had taken God off of his rightful place on the throne and placed himself there. Um, and, and witnessing that transformation, he almost lost everything. His wife left him. Kids left him. Uh, he was couch surfing, um, and in the midst of this, you know, seven eight months of uh, the unraveling that happened, I watched God humble him beyond what the clinical world would would say is impossible, right? And now today, he and his wife are teaching uh, a marriage class at church, and uh, it's it's really neat to see him with his family, and he's not the same person, right? So I do believe that people with narcissistic personality disorder can heal, yeah, but it's an ugly painful process. I mean, look at Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. God put him out of his mind. It took seven years. Yep. I mean, he was so arrogant, he built a statue of himself to be worshipped yeah. and was gonna put wanted to put anyone to death who refused to worship yeah. him. But um, And there's an extreme so so the narcissist um, the narcissistic personality, there there is an extreme self loathing that happens with them and it doesn't appear like that on the outside, I mean, they are filled with self-hatred. And so when I talk about the unraveling, it's also this recognition of how much I truly hate myself um, and how much I am in need of a savior. Mm -hmm. Which can be a beautiful thing. Absolutely, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. So I've had this other thought about narcissism. Um, You know, I talked to you earlier, like whenever you look at like the the symptomology or the, the different things to look for, in any kind of diagnosis and you know some of us can recognize well i I do that or i've done that or i struggle with self-focus you know right Uh, may not be a narcissist but still struggle with these things i've often wondered if part of our human condition is narcissism oh gosh (laughs) let's go back to to genesis with adam and eve in the garden yeah you can eat from any enjoy it all but not this one tree Mm -hmm. And, and what do we do we exactly. went right to it. And that's because we want to be like God. Yeah. We want to know everything that God knows. Mm-hmm. So yes, that is that is the natural condition yeah. is narcissism. So there, I mean, I think it can humble all of us, especially people who just want to toss this word around and call all their enemies a narcissist. Yes. I think that it's something that can level the playing field that all of us have narcissistic tendencies within us. And it's called dying to self (laughs) because that self, that ego is nothing but a narcissist. It's just some have more heavily fortified um, narcissistic ways. Yes. And you know, really living life as a narcissist is exhausting. Um, And and it's almost like living in just this grave state of anxiety all the time because you truly have placed yourself in the position of God, and you have to be in control of everything mm-hmm. at all times. And when something doesn't go according to plan, I mean, there's rage and anger, and uh, I mean, it's, man, it's it's exhausting. I mean, the more I hear you talk about it, the more it sounds like this, like, deep, very deep-rooted fear, 
where they create a reality that they feel totally in control of, yes. they are way, and, and they cling to that reality with a death grip because yep. the fear of reality, of true reality, um, is so significant. Yes. Within them. So, and I, I just, it sounds almost fear-based. Well, in, fear because in order for them to confront reality, they have to confront their self-loathing. Yeah. And all their insecure. The most insecure person in the room is the narcissist, mm. um, which is, is, is fascinating because yeah. you wouldn't think that on the surface. Right. So very charming and cunning and mm -hmm. um, outgoing and, you know, charismatic. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's the most insecure person in the room. Now, I've heard that there's different types of narcissism like a vulnerable narcissist. Uh, do you know the differences between them, or is there much of a difference? Well, I, I, I think there's typologies. Mm -hmm. um, clinically, the DSM doesn't recognize the difference. Okay. Um, but I, yeah, I've heard different typologies. Yeah. Um, I, I want to go back to the just kind of the, the root nature of humans um, mm -hmm. really quick, and it, it's Ephesians 2, 3, and it says, The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us with such great love. Um, the, but the first sentence, the corruption that was in us from birth mm -hmm. was expressed through um, us needing to carve out and, and fill our flesh with what we want. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all start out as little narcissists, and Sigmund Freud would, um, he would applaud if he were here right now. Oh, totally. Uh, but we are narcissistic at heart and by nature. And I mean, you think about a three-year-old kid and you get in his way when he wants something. What happens? Yeah. He'll throw whatever they have at you. Exactly. Uh, and it's about me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I know. People who say, oh, that, you know, an innocent little child, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I think that we culturally, because they're vulnerable, we see them as innocent. Sure. But spiritually... Um, we don't have to teach our kids to be selfish. No, my two-year-old threw a fire truck at my head the other day because he heard a bobcat outside and I would not take him to see it. <laughs> no care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my daughter got mad at me this morning because I told her to put on a coat and it's 30 degrees outside. And my son got mad at me because I insisted that he brush his teeth. Nice. Yeah. So you were, so. You were, you were two for four this morning. <laughs> well done. But it's been a good conversation yeah. with you. Thank you for coming on. I hope that um, our listeners are able to just have, consider um, a, a broader uh, perspective on the matter. Um, and thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. So this has been very helpful. And I really appreciate your expertise and just who God has created you to be and, and the strengths that he's given you to be able to speak to these things. So thanks for having me, Sarah. This has been Waging War. Thanks for fighting alongside us this week.